Oh, hey, welcome to episode 161. Are you wondering why, no matter the diet that you go on, you're either gaining weight back afterwards or during it, the weight hasn't actually shifted? You might even be really ticked off that you've also added in some COVID kilos that you really want to drop to get back to feeling good in your own skin again. If any of this feels like your journey, then you're in the right place because on this episode, I share with you some of the non-calorie related reasons as to why you either keep on gaining weight or can't lose weight in the way that you want to. However, I have to put a warning on this because unfortunately, there ain't nothing sexy about the truth. There are no magic pills or potions here, just straight up real information and education about human biology and how it works that will give you the tools to make change. Sound cool? Awesome, and let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Here we are, the final episode of 2021, and what a year it's been. I mean, whatever 2021 was, it was one hell of a roller coaster. Maybe a tornado. It feels like five years ago, it was 2020. It's been a crazy year. The mission for this year is almost complete, and that is my mission to coach 250 men and women to lose weight and be their healthiest self before the end of 2021. And don't hesitate, because that mission is going right ahead next year, and you can absolutely be a part of it in the following year in 2022. Uh, the only difference is that we're going to go a little bit bigger and a little bit better. (laughs) We're going to push beyond our limits. We're going to try and grow the team this year, the team that works behind the scenes so that we can bring more amazing goodness to you and serve you within the Ultimate Energy Upgrade program. So hopefully you can be one of those people and you're a ready, willing and committed type that's ready to crack on with writing the next chapter of your health journey in the way it should be written. Uh, so on today's episode, I thought, you know, we're post-Christmas, we're all in that sugary haze, uh, and this is usually the time that people are starting to think, right, this year, it's going to be this year, I'm going to do it, next week, I am going to, after January 1, I'm just going to get up and I'm going to do amazing things and I'm just going to totally be someone that I've never been before because I'm just going to be. And this is that time of year where we have New Year's resolutions and all of these big grand ideas and promises where we convince ourselves essentially, and I've been guilty of this too, where we essentially convince ourselves that based on all previous evidence of us being a human and living and and doing all of the things the way that we've done them, based on all of that evidence, which is usually like what, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of evidence, that for some reason, next week when we wake up and it's a new year, we'll just have all of these abilities that we didn't have before to navigate our emotions and navigate our personality and fully embody a personality that we've never embodied before. And so we lie to ourselves about all of these hopes and dreams that are going to happen next week. <laughs> and, you know, we've got we've to watch out too because, you know, these industries, all industries, capitalize as much as they can on the New Year's resolutions because that's when people feel like they're going to be able to make change. Uh, and unfortunately, whilst this is the time that everybody's ready to do all of these things, and you know, I'll be I'll be doing the same thing. I'll be opening my doors. I mean, I open my doors multiple times a year, but I'll be opening my doors in January after Christmas. However, we'll absolutely be working on the psychology of what you're doing because we can't just all of a sudden be different, right? 
We have to take one tweak a week, one small step at a time, not with our diet, not with our stress, not with all these things, with our identity. That's the most powerful part um, of what we're doing. And so that's I'm going to get into a little bit of that today. So I want to touch on, uh, I mean, it's been COVID, right? Like this bloody shamdemic, scandemic, plandemic, pandemic, whichever side of the fence you sit on and whichever one of those words resonates with you. <laughs> Almost everybody's gained a bit of weight and most people have gained more weight that they that they didn't want. They already had weight that they didn't want and maybe you've tried lots of different diets. Maybe you've tried the cabbage soup diet or the low-fat diet uh, or you've, you've just tried basically starving yourself or the plant-based diet or going vegan for a while. Um, maybe you've tried all of these different things and you can't figure out why I can't lose the weight or why does the weight come back? So there's two different um, situations there, right? Why can't I lose the weight? So basically I'm trying to do different things and the weight that I have on my body is not shifting. And then the second one is why does the weight come back after the diet? So I'm going to jump into, uh, what have I got listed down here? I've got a few dot points to talk through. Uh, One, two, three, four. Look, we've got five, but you know, you know me. I can just I could make that ten if we like. <laughs> we'll see how we go. But I've got five points here that I want to touch on to give you some context as to why you may be able, maybe not able to shift the weight in your body. Because it's not just down to willpower. It's not just down to this idea that in January I'm gonna change and I'm gonna have all of this amazing willpower and strength and capabilities that I've never possessed before. And then January passes and then you're like, oh, it didn't happen. I don't have willpower. I'm going to be fat forever. I'm going to feel shitty in my body forever. I'm going to have these unstable energy levels forever, right? So it's not just because of a lack of willpower because I know lots of people that have absolutely committed solidly to their dietary change, to their nutrition uh, plans, their meal plans. They've started ordering, you know, whether it's HelloFresh or whatever any of those brands are. If you're in Tasmania and you like to order your meals, I absolutely hope that you are ordering them from Veronica Smith Whole Foods, who's a collaborator of mine. She's phenomenal and her meals are absolutely healing. So Veronica Smith Whole Foods. I know you'll probably be listening to this, Von. We need to get Von on. Von's awesome. She's part of the fam. She, You really need to hear Von's voice more often. So 2022, we're going to get her on more. But anyway, the point is that people stick to these plans and these changes and they use their willpower and it, it like things don't change or, or they do it for an extended period of time and then it just disappears all of a sudden once the, the program's over or the diet's over or once they miss their favorite food for too long and so they kind of fall apart. So it's often people are blamed for just, oh, well, you must be eating things in secret. Oh, you must be not doing the right thing. Or yeah, like they blame, they victim blame, right? It's like you're overweight and you can't make it uh, different. You can't make your situation different, so it must be your fault. And usually, that's a limitation of the practitioner's ability to understand the, the entire human vessel and its multiple states of being. And what I mean by that is biology is just one part. Biology and physiology are just the, the material things, right? There's the emotional for some people. There's the intellectual, which is uh, in there too. And for some people, there's spiritual, which can involve religion or can just involve being present, meditations, connecting to the universe, God, whatever that word is for you. Um, you know, I'm more of the you know, trying to connect with the concept of the universe is the way that I go about it. I'm not religious, but, you know, whatever that piece is. So the human is this complex vessel that has all of these parts. So before we get into that bit, I want to talk about the physical because the physical matters. Um, the physical totally matters. Now, the first thing is with weight loss is to talk about sugar. And I know you're probably sick of hearing about sugar, 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 sugar. Like, 
The reality is we're so far removed from our, the diet that a human is meant to have that sugar, as much as I go on about it, is absolutely one of the major causes of the problems in our society on multiple levels, not just weight gain, talking about the diseases that come from weight gain. Like weight gain is one of the most important or the most impactful precursors before you get cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's, dementia, um, insert loads and loads of other illnesses and diseases and sicknesses uh, and injuries as well and physical injuries through sport and just, you know, doing your back here and, you know, sitting down a chair too long. The vast majority of that is a diet that is informed by a sugar consumption that is far beyond what our genetics are designed to expect. Now, this leads to, and remember when I say sugar, I don't just mean chocolate and the lolly aisle. Sugar comes in everything, in everything, which is why the rule is jerf. Just eat real food, whole real food. If it looks like it came from a farm or from a slaughterhouse, then you are on the right track. (laughs) And I know slaughterhouse might make people feel a little bit weird, but we're all humans, we're all animals, and all animals must die in order to feed the life cycle of all living beings on the earth. It's part of how the world works. However, you can source your meat from far more ethical sources, uh, which is another great thing about uh, the work that Von does down in Tassie. So she very much prioritizes good, healthy meat. Anyhow, the point is that if the food on your plate doesn't look like it came from one of those places, a farm, um, then you're probably going to find when you read the uh, ingredients or you have the, you know, you look at research involved in it, you find that it's got an unnatural amount of sugar. And sugar is comes up in, there's about 99 it's probably beyond 99 now, different names for sugar. Um, and artificial, I would classify artificial sweeteners as falling into the same category as sugar. Now, physically, that is obviously a different chemical. It's not identical to sugar, but the impact on the body is the context that we're talking about here on this podcast. It is. The brain interprets it in a very similar way. Some of them cause a lower insulin spike. So remember, the pancreas releases insulin, which takes the sugar out of the blood and either puts it into storage through the liver, puts it into the liver, puts it into the muscles for use, or puts it into body fat, right? So the insulin is really important. The beta cells in the pancreas release that insulin. Um, The thing is, though, when we're consuming sugar so regularly, insulin has to be released more often, right? And if we're eating, you know, um, uh, we're getting up, having a coffee, uh, maybe there's some sugar in that, um, maybe there's some sweetened sh- uh, cream in that, uh, or you might have a tea with sugar or whatever it might be, and then we go to breakfast, there's probably some grains, ref- and not just normal grains, refined grains, uh, and I would not be, generally speaking, not trusting the, the advertising of whole grains in a major supermarket. Um, all of these things are sugar, right? And then there might be oats, there might be fruit, there might be um, crumpets, pancakes, croissants, Muffins. Muffins is just a morning word for cake, right? <laughs> They're the same. Uh, so the point is that we go to sugar and then because we put sugar in, insulin goes out. Insulin takes the um, sugar out of the bloodstream and then guess what? The, the body's like, oh, we need sugar. We've, we've got a slump now because we've just burnt up that sugar and put it into storage. Now we need some more. And so then we go morning tea and then this, we repeat the same thing. Then we go lunch. Then we might have last night's leftovers or go get a pasta uh, from the cafe or a a baguette or a sanger or something like that. Lots of bread, lots of refined grains, and therefore we repeat the process. Insulin goes up, insulin goes up, insulin goes up, right? So even if you're on one of these ridiculous hardcore calorie restriction diets, and by ridiculous, I don't mean to judge anybody for doing that because if you are not familiar with human biology um, and particularly 
the modern, well, it's interesting I say modern, but the modern perspective on the calorie argument, as you will, you'll hear personal trainers on Instagram banging on about calorie deficit, bro, calorie deficit. It has ruined more people than it's helped. I can guarantee that. Um, and there's so much research to, to, to back that statement up. If you don't understand um, right now that the, why the calorie uh, reduction or calorie deficit thing is not effective or damaging to your body, then I would encourage you to go and listen to one of my other episodes where I talked about calories in, calories out, and I'm actually just scrolling for it. Uh, Here we go. Here we go. Episode 41 from the OG year of the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast from the first year. Uh, It's called Ep 41, the calories in, calories out problem. The basic principle is that if the human body was you know, a unidimensional thing, energy in, energy out, then you would be totally fine. The calorie argument would 100% hold up. Like, because we would would just be one thing, right? Just be one thing that we'd have to consider. However, the reality is that we're far more complicated than that and calories go, calories and energy go everywhere. And that's without mentioning that the way calories are measured is actually really quite inaccurate. And what I mean by that is that, you know, burning the energy that comes off something with fire and measuring it does not equate to the way that the body uses energy in the body, right? It's, it's just, in my mind, it's, it's, there's a lot of gaps in what, what, what's going on right there. So anyhow, um, the point is that these calorie deficit diets lead to overeating because even if you're in a calorie deficit diet and you're eating three to six times a day, maybe uh, small meals or small, you know, small snacks or whatever it might be to keep your metabolism up. The reality is that even if it's, if it's sugar going in, then you're actually in a situation where you're boosting your insulin because the sugar goes in, insulin has to go up. And you can't lose weight in this context because even though you're not putting enough calories in to technically gain weight, the reason you can't lose is because not only is insulin uh, putting this sugar into storage that you have putting in your body, but it's also keeping the fat stores and the energy locked down. So insulin is as much a sugar storage hormone or a fat building hormone as much as it is a fat security hormone, right? Which is a really different way to look at it. And you'll hear Marty Kendall, who's an, another Aussie guy uh, that talks a lot about this stuff. You'll hear him talk a lot about it. And he's actually coming on the show in 2022. We've, um, yeah, we're having a bit of a chat and he, and he talks about how insulin acts as a bit, you know, this is people that have a healthy or a normal functioning body. We're not talking about type 1 diabetics, very different situation there. But the idea is for most of us that this insulin will keep the fat stores in storage, right? So even if the calories you're putting in are low and you're spiking your insulin, it doesn't matter because the insulin's doing its work to keep that stuff in storage. So that's why it comes back to the contents and the macronutrients on the plate. If we're putting refined carbohydrates in uh, every single meal all of the time and the first meals particularly is the meal that we set our body up to predict and expect for the day, then we are in a situation where we're going to have perpetual insulin all day. It's going to be up, 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 up all day. So this is why we want to start thinking differently about the macronutrients that we put on our plate and start questioning why we're in a world where sugar and refined carbohydrates are 90% of the food supply. Like, look in your trolley. Look in your trolley. Go to any fast food outlet. Go to most uh, restaurants. Sugar and carbohydrates are most of the food options, you know? And when you go out and you order a steak, it's like, oh, this is fancy. Steak. Uh, And you get a big protein hit. But 
that seems to be a really rare occurrence when, in fact, it should be actually daily. That should be a daily thing and it should be for breakfast. <laughs> um, I know you're probably screwing your nose up that, at that now, but remember, we've been conditioned from when we were children to, to um, do things a certain way. And unfortunately, we now know because the whole world is overweight, unwell, sick, you know, diseased, we know that that was the wrong advice. So we have to do things differently. And the evolutionary biologist in me says we need to do things that were introduced pre-1900, pre the last 100 years, because, well, not even 100 years, but even the last 50 is when things really started to go wrong. But before then, 1950s and, and then before the 1900s, most people were healthy, thin, and diseases were rare. Okay. It doesn't mean they weren't there and weren't uncommon. They weren't unlucky people and they won't continue to be unlucky people. But there's a lot we can do to turn this train around. The other thing to consider next to um, sugar and the refined carbohydrates being related to uh, the insulin, the insulin hormone, um, is stress, 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 stress. We hear about it all the time. The modern lifestyle, the internet was meant to make life easier. It, it in fact, added about 300,000 extra jobs to do in our everyday because we've got to do so many individual steps. We're in such a um, commoditized world that there's so much to do for everything. Um, and, and so we're, we're perpetually stressed, whether it's work, whether it's family, whether it's, you know, the, the neighbor, whether it's car crashes, whether it's trying to make places, you know, get places on time, uh, whether it's rushing to try and get your self-care done, uh, you know, and get to the gym and wake up early and sacrifice your, you know, sleep, which is the most important health variable. You know, we're just so stressed all the time. And the thing to remember is that evolutionary, remember we've we've evolved socially and our food world has evolved socially so rapidly that our physical body has not been able to adapt to those changes because it usually takes hundreds if not thousands of years for a significant adaption to occur. Uh, and so with stress, we're often in a situation where we have a shot of stress argument with a partner, kids driving us bonkers, uh, you know, all the things I just mentioned, work, email from the boss that you don't like, colleague that drives you up the wall. And we release this adrenaline and cortisol into our blood. Uh, and what happens is when that happens, think about when you're stressed in nature, right? And when I say nature, I don't even mean that long ago. I mean, when life was generally dangerous to be a part of just getting around, somebody might chop your head off with a sword, or you might get hunted by a saber toothed tiger or a lion or an elephant might squash you or, you know, you might might fall off a cliff because you're gallivanting around the bush looking for food, um, that when you had that shot of stress, when the cortisol and adrenaline shoot into your blood, you need energy because it's usually a terrifying situation. So your brain interprets the stress response as a terrifying life, life or death situation. So what does it do? It unlocks, it rapidly unlocks energy, right? So because you need energy to run away, to fight or to run away. As fast as you can, you can so you don't die. However, now we're in a world where we unlock all of that energy. So we unlock the sugar stores, unlock some of the fat stores. The cortisol unlocks it all and, and says go or the adrenaline unlocks it all and says go. Um, and basically we're sitting in our desk chair. We're in the kitchen just standing around. We don't actually physically do anything to burn that energy that's just been released. So we have an opportunity of this quick access to, to burn this. The adrenaline shot up releases all of this and then with the chronic cortisol that happens after that because this sugar just sits in the blood after being released it eventually makes its way back into storage right and it usually goes that that release as a result of that uh, process usually goes to the stomach which is often why men um, have such you know solid beer bellies or so, such solid guts because 
men are a little more stressed than women. And what I mean by that is from a cortisol perspective, um, I mean, women... Uh, equally about you know talking about stress in an esoteric way like you know we're all as stressed as one another life is crazy but what i mean is that uh, women tend to have generally speaking it's a general comment based on clients i've worked with through the ultimate energy upgrade program and also just being a man in the world and having women in my life is that generally speaking women have opportunities that men do not choose to take in releasing their emotions a little more it doesn't mean that they totally handle them perfectly and never get stressed again but they tend to cry more often they tend to have these releases uh experiences that release this stress a little more often so they still get the belly fat as the result of the, this stress that happens to women too. And there's probably women listening. You might be listening and being like, I've oh, plenty of that belly fat and, and I'm super stressed. Um, so it's just a little different because women are more likely to... Uh, what's Sorry, I should clarify. What is different is the distribution of that fat as a result of the stress response. Um, whereas, yeah, men pile it onto their, their beer belly and it often, often gets really rock hard. It's that, it's that kind of belly, the stress... Uh, Build up of the fat stores on as a result of cortisol and adrenaline release, um, and women women get it there too, and it ends up as you go through um, life, sort of being that that pudgy little sack, if you know what I mean, that's sort of sitting on the front there that you just wish would disappear. So that can be related to stress too. So this is another reason. If we get back to the original point, why can't I lose the weight? Is that if we're in a situation where we are constantly stressed, we're constantly in this same like it's not quite the same. The mechanism of action is slightly different, but I mean. In, in the way that we're discussing it on this podcast, it's the same. The sugar enters the bloodstream again. And so hormo- different hormones have to do something about that to put this stuff back in, ho- in storage. So we're back into fat storage mode, irrelevant of the diet you're on and irrelevant of the calorie consumption, right? Because so now we've got the sugar spiking the insulin. We've got the stress spiking cortisol and insulin and the adrenaline releasing the fat stores to begin with to, to give you the energy to run away, even though we don't run away from anything anymore. So these are two reasons why you might not be losing the weight. See how I haven't really talked about the amount you're eating, the frequency you're eating, um, you know, or, or any spe- specific, I'm not beating up on any specific diet, right? Because it's not all just about food. You're a complex human being and your existence, every part of your existence affects the next. Hey, hey, my listeners, what's up? If you're enjoying the episode thus far, please consider writing a review and dropping in five stars on the Apple podcast page of this show as it really does help the visibility of the podcast to guide other people to find it. And as well, it helps other curious people just like yourself prior to tuning into the show to see whether or not this podcast is a good fit. And I, of course, hope that it is. And so that's really the best way to support our work and what we do here on the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. Oh, and I also love seeing you share the episode on Twitter Instagram or Facebook and I often reshare those posts so be sure to give me a tag at Matty Lansdowne. Okay, let's get back into the episode. The next one is sleep. So what should be happening when you sleep is your insulin should be definitely going down, your blood sugar should definitely be going down and it should be getting to a roughly stable spot through the night because in an ideal world you should be sleeping seven and a half to nine hours. That's most people, um, and you'll hear, um, oh, what's his name? Professor Matthew Walker, the sleep expert, you'll hear him say that if you sleep any less than seven and a half hours per night, uh, like it's so rare that you're more likely to be struck by lightning. So there's definitely people that um, absolutely thrive on that, uh, and there's a tiny, tiny group of people, uh, but most of us, 
So it's safe to assume that almost everybody listening, me included, needs seven and a half hours to nine hours a night in order to get the best out of our body. And anything outside of that will cause a dysfunction in the way that our hormones function, our food choices, our nutrition is metabolized and processed. And so this is another big factor is because we know that if the body needs to stay awake longer than it should, which is if you're sleeping less than seven and a half hours a night, then the body needs to do something in order to make sure that the that we keep this ship going. We need to, you know, it's like this ship was designed to, to be able to sail 1,000 miles, 1,000 kilometers, whichever metric you like. Um, however, every day we keep pushing it to 1,200 miles. And so we have to figure out and solve the energy requirement, the petrol for that extra 200. So this is where overeating actually comes in where you don't actually realize it because you're in this situation where you're overeating for someone who sleeps a healthy amount of sleep. However, if you're not sleeping correctly and haven't been for years, you're in this situation where, and they've done the studies on this, the next day you're making, uh, you're adding about 300 to 500 calories or units of energy into your body and that's because of two reasons. Um, You're starting to have dysfunction in your brain, so you're not able to make the best decisions around food, which then leads to even poorer food choices, and it's just this spiral down, right? Poorer food, food choices degrades the body, degrades your brain, leads to poor sleep, and then you make even poorer decisions the next day. Now, the other reason is that, yeah, you're physically operating longer and you need more energy to be awake longer. And so this often leads to, um, one, disrupted sleep because we eat late at night, we eat all the unideal foods, and so our body is in this situation where during the night our blood sugar is going up and down because our body is still in digestion. We've put this extra food in. Usually late at night, we should have at least three hours in between the final piece of nutrition, and that includes coffees and teas and wines and all of those things. The final piece of nutrition, calorie irrelevant, should be a minimum of three hours before we go to bed so that when we go to bed, our body is not being interrupted during its uh, like immune processing, uh, its recovery, its rest, repair, digest phase. We should absolutely be three hours post-nutrition before we do that. Otherwise, we're sacrificing, guess what? Weight loss. Lots of the weight loss happens in the sleep window. And the irony is that we're in this modern day diet culture, which is what my program, The Ultimate Energy Upgrade, absolutely seeks to um, oppose and you know disembody in many ways because it's so toxic, is that many people are told, get up earlier, go to the PT session. You know, get up early, cook the meals for the day, you know, stay up super late doing meal prep. And we, we sacrifice sleep chasing health. And that's like literally dropping you know a watch off a cliff and chasing the watch to protect the watch because <laughs> guess what there's a really abrupt stop at the bottom of that cliff when you jump over it and the, the watch doesn't matter anymore because it crushes you you know you're flat you're a pancake right so the point here is that if you're sacrificing sleep to chase uh health it may be not a, a trade that's doing you any favors and it also leads to insulin dysregulation with a lack of sleep, which then leads to you you craving sugar, right? Uh, and then we're just on this merry-go-round. Can you, start, can you see how all these things are linked, right? Sleep, uh, sugar, 
causes the body to want insulin all the time, which causes repetitive eating. And in, uh, in that cycle, we're then in the situation where we experience stress. And so we naturally eat food in response to stress. So we've got this just constant stream of energy going into fat storage, uh, irrelevant of the calories. Remember that. Then we have sleep. We disrupt sleep. So we put more food in and we make more unhelpful choices. And the unhelpful choices that we make are more likely to occur because we're sleep deprived. Do you see how it's all linked? It's just like linked, 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 linked. That's why it's holistic. You have to come at it from the sleep, the stress, uh, and the food, and the nutrition. Now, there's another piece that is linked into this that's related to your hormones, and that is, drum roll please, and that's willpower. And the idea or the concept that you're in this situation because you don't have enough willpower. This goes back to the doctor or the practitioner blaming you for not being good enough and just assuming that you suck, right? You don't suck. You're a human. And the reason that willpower is not enough is a couple of reasons, okay? And there's, you know, not many people talk about this, which is, again, why I try and do what I do because I truly believe that this is the missing piece, This is the missing piece to why you can't lose weight, why you can't get your health stable, why you go in cycles or yo-yos or you swing like a pendulum from green smoothies to to chocolate fondue, you know, and go back and forth all year. And every year you've got a new New Year's resolution, right? Um, I really believe that this is the piece that can make a difference. And we just wrapped up yesterday, actually, uh, the final group for the year of the Ultimate Energy Upgrade. And one of the things that people say every time we wrap this up is that they begin feeling kinder to themselves, begin loving themselves again, right? And as a result of this harmony within one's soul, then the weight starts to disappear. Then the sleep starts to improve. You start to feel amazing in the clothes that you haven't worn for a few years. You put them on and you're like, oh, I actually feel kind of good. You even get some confidence to maybe engage in sex, which hasn't happened in a while, or, or engage in sex in a way that makes you feel empowered rather than like, obligated. And I know you might be laughing hearing me say that. And I know this because a lot of my clients are married women. uh, And they, you know, these are real things. These are real complications in long-term relationships, especially when you've got kids distracting you all the time and you don't get those opportunities like you used to, to feel as feminine and amazing as you do, or as feel as masculine and powerful in those, you know, engagements and interactions with your partner. And it all comes down to this piece, right? So willpower, It's not about willpower. Willpower runs out. Willpower is a finite resource, okay? The reason that we use willpower is because basically, just like we used to say low-fat diets were a good idea, we just didn't know better, right? So that's the way I like to look at it because otherwise we just look to blame everyone and blame isn't very helpful and it's kind of destructive. So now we know better. We know that we often eat emotionally, right? Our emotions and our feelings are tied to every single thing we do. In fact, all the conversations we have in our own head are usually negotiating around how we should feel about something or what we should do with our emotions to respond to something, right? Think about that for a minute. Everything you think about is, th- is considering the, f- the feelings you have about a topic, a subject, or you're trying to figure it out. Am I angry about it? Am I sad about it? Should I say something about it? Should I do something about it? I haven't done that yet. You know, what should I do about me? These, it's all conversations around emotions. So it goes you know, go one step further, the things we then go and act upon as a result of our thoughts, which and our thoughts are about our emotions, are then extensions of our emotions, right? The behaviors we do, extensions of our of our emotions. That's why there's no such thing as as an unemotional snack. Every time we eat, we're experiencing food, right? 
Every time we eat, we're experiencing an emotion. And if you start to monitor this, you'll start to realize the types of emotions that frequently pop up when you either are, are eating already or that lead to you going towards food, right? And so if we don't do this piece, this is the bit where they say willpower. They say just try really hard to not go to the chocolate or not respond to the thing and it doesn't work, right? Because triggers are always going to come up. That's why I like to treat you as an individual human that experiences emotions, that's going to have up and downs, that's going to fall off the bandwagon, that's going to need a plan to get back on the bandwagon. You know, I want you to be you and enjoy being you. But in order to do that, we can't just pretend you're not you for eight weeks and then and then you go back to being you, right? We have to cultivate the new you. That's what I call it in the program, becoming the new you. And so this emotional eating piece is really imperative, getting this bit right, because if you don't, all the other bits won't fall into line. Now, willpower is a finite resource. As we learn to do this uh, um, emotional eating and well, we already know how to do it, but as we learn the parts of it and the structure of it and how to then pattern interrupt and start being the new you and start introducing new behaviors that lead to you being a new version of yourself, you'll then find that you need willpower less and less because what you're doing is that you're transitioning, you're transitioning from a finite resource in willpower and you're moving across to an infinite resource. It won't feel infinite at the beginning. It'll feel uncomfortable, confrontational. It'll feel challenging. It'll feel difficult and unfamiliar and unsafe. But you're actually transitioning to... You're, it's essentially going from you know a petrol engine to solar power. The sun ain't going anywhere, right? It's going to get up tomorrow. Guarantee it. <laughs> so what you're doing is you're cultivating self-love, right? Self-love or self-respect. Some people feel a bit weird about the self-love idea, so we move across to self-respect. You start respecting yourself, and somebody that respects themselves does what they say they should do. They have a, a, a culture within their own soul, within their own body, within their own personality of trustworthiness, and they trust that they're going to say what they're going to do. They're not going to hold them to ransom, which is what we normally do on diets, is we hold ourselves to ransom. I'm going to do this and I'm going to, if I don't do that, then I don't get this. You know, if I, if I don't do the diet for a week, then I don't get to go and see my friends or I don't get to eat the chocolate. You know, we hold ourselves to ransom as if holding anyone to ransom has ever produced a good result. Either somebody got shot or somebody got paid. You know what I mean? <laughs> like there's never a good, there's never a good outcome to holding yourself to ransom. And I actually did a, um, a Facebook live on this uh, just recently too, talking about the relationship uh, of conversation that we have in our head, which leads to failing on diets. And that is the pe- creating the parent-child dynamic in your own head in that conversation that you have. You need to understand that in order to neutralize that conversation because it's like the ransom situation. The other thing to mention from a hormone perspective is this is not just all esoteric and woo-woo, is that the willpower or the se- the seeking of these sugar foods or these comfort foods Um, or the things that make you feel better or familiar in the moment that then lead to diarrhea, bloating, uh, brain fog, low energy levels, unstable energy levels, uh, you know, the development of diabetes and these types of things, is that it's fundamentally these actions, these behaviors are tied to dopamine. So dopamine is the happy hormone, right? Because we're always seeking to not feel like shit. So the idea is that when we uh, go towards these foods, not only is there an emotion like stress or pain or suffering or uh, sabotage or depression or shame. Hang on, did I say shame? Uh, Anyway, uncomfortable, unhappy, sad, negative emotions, however you like to categorize them. There's that, but what we're trying to seek in the process is dopamine to counteract it, right? So when we have a food we love, we're like, oh, this is so good. 
dopamine's happening in the brain. So now if you think about all going back to where we started with the sugar, if you think about the insulin spike or the blood sugar spike that happens followed by the insulin spike, this is now doubled down on by a dopamine spike. So no wonder it's hard to shift the weight because we've got these three hormones and there's many others, but these are the three prominent ones that we can talk about is that the blood sugar goes up and that's like we get a dopamine hit as a result of that. The insulin goes up because it needs to do something with the blood sugar. And if we're on this cycle forever, we're always seeking this dopamine. Conventional diets are not going to help because it's essentially forcing us into a dopamine fast, right? Now, Intermittent fasting is a great idea. So is dopamine fasting. These things need to happen together at a one tweak a week pace because if we start dopamine fasting, then we're also training the emotional response to the situation at the same way, at the same time that we're training our insulin and sugar and microbiome to navigate different nutrition. Now, this might be starting to get a bit like, oh, there's so many moving parts, Maddie, which is exactly why I created the ultimate energy upgrade to put these moving parts into a logical, structured plan. Does everybody nail it the first time? No, because we're all humans, right? But that's the difference. I'm not going to beat you up. We're not going to beat you up for not getting it right, okay? We go in here into the program. We navigate it one tweak a week. And if you're having a particular challenge with something, that's okay. We create the space in order for you to do that, right? It's The whole idea is that we work with humans who act like humans. <laughs> and we get you to an evolved, transformed version of yourself. And by focusing on the emotional eating piece, by focusing on the nutrition, by focusing on intermittent fasting, uh, dopamine fasting is inherently a part of it. Uh, and there's all sorts of other bits and pieces in there, recipes, you know, all the stuff that you need in order to navigate your food. But the point is that it's you driving your ship. You're the, you know, you're running your own show. You've got a community there. You've got me there to navigate you and hold hold your hand every step of the way. But it's about you creating the new world because whilst I will definitely keep you accountable through this process and the, the team will and the rest of the group will, it's important to remember that you know once we finish working together, your support network has disappeared, right? So this, which is again, this is another thing where they're like, don't worry, the program's over. Willpower, you'll be fine. <laughs> Neck minute signing up for the next diet six weeks later because gained all the weight back, didn't have, didn't have appropriately set up uh, accountability systems, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So we need to build, you, you need to take ownership of your journey and write your own story whilst we're there to navigate you on what chapters need to go when, right? What, what needs to be in the next paragraph rather than just be told what to do because it goes back to this point I made earlier, which is the conversation in your head. If it's a parent-child conversation, you're always telling yourself, I shouldn't do this, and then you find your, the child part of yourself rebelling and then doing that thing. Well, we don't want that dynamic between you and I, right? Because we're just going to perpetuate the same unfortunate situation you've created throughout the years of dieting, right? So we don't want to create that. So we want you to be able to take control of this and, you know, get more energy, lose weight, manage your emotions and move forward. And that's why after the program, we've created the Consistency Club, which is a beautiful group of people uh, that are staying around for that support networks until they, you know, get to the point eventually. And it might take years and that's totally fine because, you know, navigating your emotions takes years to master. Uh and until they get to the point where they're 100% okay on their own. So there's so much here for you to navigate. So if you want to fix your you know, weight loss challenges, your pre-diabetic insulin resistance challenges, even if you are diabetic, this is an amazing path to go on because I haven't met a, a dietitian at the hospital that works with people on their emotions and yet they their patients keep coming back and says they keep saying, oh, 
you're obviously not eating correctly or you're not eating following the low glycemic index food list um, and these patients just get bigger and bigger and bigger, right? So that's why there's an inherent relationship between your hormones, your insulin, uh, your blood sugar, it's not a hormone, but your cortisol, your adrenaline, your dopamine, um, your melatonin at night for your sleep um, and uh, all of the digestive microbiome stuff that happens and your emotions, it's all linked to your weight loss um, and to you know, getting rid of those COVID kilos and hopefully shifting the plateau. If you've been on a plateau and plateaus, yeah, might happen for even up to a month. Like you, the body's an adaption machine. Um, you've got to let give the body time. I often, I remember having this conversation once with a, with a woman that was like signing up to the ultimate energy upgrade, which was super exciting. And in the beginning she was like, right, I want to lose 25 kilos. And I said, awesome. Um, you know, like how long do you want to do that in? And she was like, I want to get that done in the next couple of months. I've got a wedding. And I was like, oh, okay, Um, just out of curiosity, how long has it taken this 25 kilograms to accumulate? And she said, oh, I think I was, I think I was 32 when it, like I was the weight that I wanted to be last. And this woman was 50. And so it's important to remember, we have to do this in a healthy, sustainable way. We have to make, take one step at a time, one tweak a week. And if we, if we're dramatically solving, you know, 20 year problems or 18 year problems, in a couple of months, there's going to be some kickback, you know, like you need to do this sustainably and look at this as a lifestyle change, okay? Without that situation, you're going to be perpetually back at square one, maybe listening to this podcast again to get clear on why am I back here again, right? So we want to go in one direction. We might fall off the bandwagon a few times, but we want to move generally towards that over like over a couple of years, especially if we're talking like 20, 30, 40 kilos. Yeah, we can move, probably move a bit faster for many people. But if you want to improve the quality of your life and probably the length of your life, you absolutely need to do this progressively. Anyway, this is another podcast to you from me, Maddie, The Honest Truth. And I know a lot of the stuff I say is not sexy. It's not, you know, the you know, lose 20 kilos in, in one month or 30 days or any of that kind of stuff. But I'm, I'm pretty sure I've spoken to enough people to know that you're sick of that stuff. You know it doesn't work. You know there's a missing piece, right, or that they're not doing it properly. And, you know, they were trying to do the right thing. But as we know now, emotional eating and people that are ready, willing, and committed to diving into that, they're the people that are going to see long-term results with their hormones, their sleep, their gut health. They're going to stabilize their energy levels and finally not have brain fog, you know, in the 3 p.m. slump and wake up feeling like, oh, another day, another day, here we go again. So that's the, that's what we want to do here. Anyhow, thanks for tuning into the show. I've loved you being here. I've loved you listening to my show. And thank you so much. We've recently hit 100,000 downloads for the year, which is amazing. I'm so very grateful. Um, and it's just it just is going up exponentially. I'm not even kidding. The week that that happened, uh, our daily listeners doubled, <laughs> which was phenomenal. So thank you for being a part of this. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media. Please, if you know that this episode specifically is going to relate to someone you care about or to somebody you know, share it with a friend, share it gently so you don't offend them. But you know, share it with them and say, hey, Maddie's got some stuff that might resonate, it might not, but give it a go and let me know what you think. Start these conversations. And of course, as I said, share it on social media. Give me a tag for the social media platforms that I am on. Uh, you can, of course, join the Facebook group. The link's down below. You can, of, of course, apply to the program. So the m.me link down below. Uh, you can just click on that and send me the word program um, and I will start a conversation with you just to see if you're a good fit for the program or not. I, I like to be honest with people. 
Um, I'd rather send you in the right direction if it's not right uh, than, you know, try and fix something I don't believe that I can, right? Uh, I like to stay in my wheelhouse. So hit me up. Let's get you started in the program. Uh, Let's make some significant and permanent changes in your life so that you can upgrade yourself to the new you. All right. I hope 2021 was as growth-oriented as it could be, as it was for me. (laughs) Anyway, gang, thanks for being here. Love you heaps. I can't wait to do 2022 with you, uh, and I will see you on the other side. Bye. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use, and we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.